From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas's Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, by all means. Chris Plandon didn't just create a line of office products. She created an entire category of stylish desk accessories. Pattern three ring binders, lucite sticky note holders, shiny gold staplers that blended both function and fashion. Chris is the founder of Russell and Hazel, a brand that even inspired Martha Stewart. Since leaving the company in 2012, she's been working behind the scenes on creative strategy and product design for many big brands, including Crate and Barrel, Paper Source, Sephora, Target, Nordstrom, Vineyard, Vines. I'm a longtime fan of her ability to understand the consumer and deliver high design products and experiences. Please welcome Chris Planton. I'm so happy to be here. I love your enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I've been a fan of Russell and Hazel from day one, both the actual products, which I have many, many, um, but just also the story and just the what your you know ability to zero in on a trend and something that wasn't even happening yet. It wasn't. And that was such, you know, fun Um, back then. And I'm saying back then. I hate to say it sometimes. But back, you know, early 2000, you know, we weren't even out on the World Wide Web. You know, people weren't emailing barely then. Um, So starting a company back then is so much different than it is now. Yeah. Um, But it was developed out of, I want to say, necessity, Mm -hmm. um, which most companies are. This was a fun story. Um, You know, background is in architecture. And when it was time for my daughter to start middle school, you know, the best thing is buying those supplies. You know, the feeling. The school supplies. The school supplies. And when. There is something about a brand new notebook. Smelling an eraser and pencil. And so when we went to go find them, the choice, I was like, really? A Britney Spears binder or a plain (laughs) Hunter Green? We can't have that. (laughs) So, um, you know, I went to the architecture studio and we just started building one. You know, actually pounding it out. Literally building. Literally building. I took a binder, took out the three ring mechanism, put different covers on them and we made a bunch and um, we were new to town. Um, we moved up from Arizona, and so she was new in middle school. And at the time, you were working as a professional architect. Absolutely. Doing, yep. like, Staff building buildings? High-rises. And, and, really? Yes, high-rise design and retail design. Yeah. And so... This was definitely not on my radar. Yeah. You were just trying to create a cool-looking binder, binder for yeah. your daughter in middle school. Oh, yeah. And did oh, yeah. she like it? Did she, she loved like it. it. Okay. In fact, you know, about a week later, I see her up in her bed, you know, legs crossed. She's counting $5 bills. And I'm like, oh, dear God, what is she doing? You know, yeah, right. And she goes, Mom, everybody loved my binder. They're like, hey, you, cool binder. And I'm like, you're kidding. So she goes, so I have an order for 20 more. Oh, my god. So I'm like, really? And so we just started looking at that. And then, you know, Allison, I did some research. And that was just really being on the cusp of lifestyle brands. You know, Pottery Barn was just really coming into its maturity, all these different things. Martha Stewart had her product catalog. And I started looking at the category of office supplies and thought, it has dominated. The names of the products that we were buying are dominated by the manufacturers. You know, there was a a Mead and an Echo and a Mead Five Star was really the only brand. And I thought, is it? 
the trapper keeper, keeper. trapper <laughs> keeper. They're still out there. But it was like, can you really build a collection of products? Can you build a lifestyle in a category that is mundane, you know, dominated by manila file folders and that three by three canary post-it, you know? So you weren't really looking no. to create a product. Oh, gosh, no. Had a very lucrative career. Mm-hmm. Very licensed architect, a woman in the field, an engineer, licensed interior design, busy beyond belief. Yeah. But you just felt compelled. Once, it, once you recognize this Can you this say it was a calling? Yeah, of course I you don't. can. No, those are usually used for So first moments. of all, did you fulfill <laughs> the orders of your daughter's friends? We did. In fact, that table is still in my basement with the uh, grommet holes pounded into the wood. You can still go down there and you rub your hands off of that. Oh, we sure did. Okay. It was a lot of fun. And then from there, did you just say, okay. Let's, yeah, I just started giving it this. more. And um, I had a dear friend, Cynthia Knox, um, at the, Monica Nassif mm-hmm. at the same time. They said, you know what? what? You need a place to incubate it? Come to our office. So I moved in there and just started incubating the idea. Did you into quit their your office. job as an I architect? I sure did. That Was that scary? Super scary. Did, <laughs> but did your husband think just, you were crazy? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Every, everybody kind of did. But then at the same time, the more we started talking about it, it was just like, you know what? Now's the time. How did you know um, when to leave the day job? You did that pretty early oh on. boy. Um, it was after just, you know, up at night looking for things, can't find it. Like I said, the, the internet was just in its evolution. Then so there wasn't a lot there. It was picking up the phone, calling, um, doing as much research as possible. Um, yeah. just like everybody else does. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. It so, was scary. So you, you get a space, you start incubating. Yeah. I mean, I just, what do you do? I, I, I'm making mock-ups. I'm drawing things. I'm calling people. I'm trying to figure out if I got a loan, if I sold the pony, mm-hmm. could we make this work? Mm-hmm. And Did you have a name at this point? At this point, I did not. So we just wanted a working title. And I was like, you know what? My grandfather was a um, minister. But during the Depression to make money, because, of course, the church couldn't pay at that time, he had a general store. And he sold school supplies as one mm-hmm. of the categories. So every year, my grandparents lovingly would put together a new box of school supplies for me wrap it in a box and say, this is going to be the best year ever. Aww. And so there was that emotional connection to school supplies besides that glorious smell of the pencil. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to use it as a working title and call it Russell and Hazel, which Those were your are my grandparents. It was a male and female name. It di- did not dictate a style, a brand. You had no idea what the product collection was going to be or could be. Mm-hmm. And you and liked that. That. I, I, I liked that being ambiguous. Mm-hmm. I certainly did not set out to name a company after a family member. Hmm. <laughs> so, and it just sort of stuck. You know, yeah. at that time, people weren't using names. They were not combining names Everything at that wasn't, and now everyone's doing the plus, they this are. and that. And that, or so and so and so and so. Yes. I do. I absolutely do. But that's ahead of that trend, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, were you, it's interesting because I I think of Russell and yeah. Hazel and even in the earlier days as yep. more like office focused than like kid school supply focused. But is that really what it was you really, were it was, about? It was really the start um, because there wasn't anything out there. Um, when I would get my kids' papers back, I hated that 
uh, loose leaf paper where the line goes off the page. I'm like, so you want them to hold a margin, <laughs> Total but we're design giving... freak. Yeah. <laughs> you want them to hold a margin left and right, but the paper runs off. So, you know, you look at the essays and they're wavy on either side. So I just started designing paper that made it super easy. Mm-hmm. The spacing of the lines, if you ever had to run it through the printer, you had your line count, your word count. So it just made it easier to be a student. Mm-hmm. Um, How many products did you develop before you thought, I'm going to bring this out to the world? You know, we started with the three-ring binder. And then with that binder comes more accessories, of course. It's just (laughs) sort of like building a building. That was the foundation. It truly was. And I wanted to give it a name that wasn't a binder name, you know. Um, So we called it the signature binder. So I needed to have, in order to make this work, because it was a commodity-driven category, I needed people to ask for my product by name and not just need. So I needed people to walk into a store and say, I need a signature binder. If they Hmm. just walked in and said, I need a three-ring binder, anybody could point them anywhere. So even when we did the smaller version that was called the mini binder, um, we did a a calendar, a school calendar, or one of the very first planners. Um, We called it the smart date system. So everything had a name, so you had to ask for it by name. And I thought that's going to be one of the only ways I'm going to be able to lift out of a commodity category. Did you envision selling this at the office depots of the world, or were you thinking boutique? First, we thought we're going to go direct to consumer and just try this on the Internet and see if we could do that. So the way that we got out there was I gave 10 kids, 10 students, sets. And I said, I want you then to give 10 more kids a set. So it was almost like that brand ambassador thing at the very beginning. Hmm. And so that's how I secured, you know, email addresses, orders, um, and then also did start some wholesale orders. But yeah, yeah, at first I was like, I can't open up a store. I don't have any money. I'm investing it in product. Let's see what happens. And just like those old TV commercials, when the orders start coming in Mm -hmm. and the fax machine is whirring and the printer's going and they're (laughs) spilling on the floor. Yeah. Oh, we were having fun. Hallelujah. And then along comes Martha Stewart. Oh, well, yes. How did that happen? That happened pretty early on. It happened real early on. And one of the things that we did as well was we made sure that when we designed the product, that it was photo shoot ready. So I reached out to other stylists and I said, hey, if you're ever doing a home shoot, can you put this in here? And she happened to see it in a photo shoot um, in somebody's office. And I Hmm. wish I could remember whose it was or who helped me with that, but she saw it. Martha Stewart did. Yes. Reached out and said, I want that. I want those binders. I want them in my studio. I want them in my office. La, 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 la. And and what happens? Does the call, does an assistant call and say, oh, Martha needs your binders? Yes, yes just like that. Yeah, really? and you just sort of stop. And of course, she had just been an inspiration, you know, for, for all of us. Mm-hmm. We have, I, I will admit it. Um, and just admired her so much, her tenacity and just how she got totally. out there in every category. Yeah. And those Martha by Mail catalogs, you'd look at them wistfully and go, oh, man. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Yeah, so beautiful. So what ha- So she actually, did she show? Show it in her catalog or on TV? No, um, on TV. So she wanted to, at that time, she still had her office in her Connecticut home, and there was a studio there. And so she said, hey, can I grab some of your products? We would love to. I'm redoing my studio. And one thing led to another, and we ended up just having a conversation. You and Martha? Yeah. Directly? Yes. And she said, oh, I love this stuff. Can you do it in this color? And I said, sure. And she said, you know what? Why don't you come out and let's talk (gasps) about it some more? Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, and so went out. Um, even what was that like? Oh, 
so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And did a um, couple television shows with her on organizing. And um, she was just very, very gracious. Um, it was a trip. Oh, boy, was it a trip. I bet. Yeah. I bet. And then they moved the studios from her home then into um, Manhattan. But What did that do for the brand of Russell and Hazel? It, it was a catalyst. Um, and just like everybody has that story in their business at that some point when it did flip, and that's absolutely when it did flip. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, were you in any stores or was it all direct We were in just consumer? a few stores. Okay. Luckily, you know, local boutiques were wonderful um, and then a couple others. And then um, wonderful um, people at the container store were great ambassadors from the very beginning. Um, so they were great to have on board. But, Art stores. Um, yeah. But Martha really moves Mar- people. Sh- sh- Oh, absolutely. So were you prepared for the volume that came? Uh, We weren't. So that's part of the story as well. So you're not really prepared for that. Um, And with that attention then also comes um, a lot of competition. Mm. Um, and so we ended up partnering with some other, you know, business people and ended up merging the company eventually with um, Gartner Studios in 2009. Okay. But you had been on your... What, we what year been did a, you actually start t- Russell um, Hazel? In 2001. Okay. Yeah. So we had been on our own for quite a while and, and business was growing to where it was hard to sustain, you know, with the staff that we had, with the cash flow that we were doing. And we knew we needed to make that leap. You had... Prior to Gartner Studios, had you did you have any outside investors? We did. We had a couple outside investors, a couple angels investors, and that was when the point we were just like, you know what, we're going to have to do something. So we did that, and that um, was about a three-year run. Um, and with that came, again, a lot of growth, and with that growth came, you know, a little bit of difference in opinion about how to make those next steps. The brand was really built on domestic production production and, you know, USA. And in order to meet the capacities, we had to go offshore and do some other and different productions. So um, I left um, an ownership and a um, position in 2012. So you, I mean, there's something that comes up a lot with yeah. entrepreneurs, oh, right? Where does. you reach that certain point. You do. Um, you needed that that partner. And, yeah. then, and so you, for three years, it's your baby, it's your brand. Everybody knows that it's your right, brand. Right. But you also have are a working. Yeah. yeah. And Gartner yeah. Studios, we should say, is based here yeah. in Minnesota they, as well. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do how do you navigate you, that? Yeah. What advice oh, do you give people, gosh. you know, as they maybe turn over ownership yeah. or bring on a partner? You know what? It was a great three-year run. It really was. And just the potential and the growth implosion and the opportunities that came from having that capital. And the capital wasn't only just, you know, um, money, but having the human capital behind it as well. It was great. The store flourished. We were able to invest in inventory um, and fulfill all the orders. And it, it was great. Um it was hard to leave. Absolutely was it hard to leave. Um, people say, was it your baby? And I'm like, no, I had children. But uh-huh. in a way, you know, it is. Um, and the fact that it did carry your family's name, that yeah. was the hard part. Because at that time, grandma and grandpa are, are a noun. Yeah. <laughs> a noun. All of a sudden. But for the last five years, people were calling up saying, could you rustle and hazel my office? Could you <gasps> rustle and hazel our handbags? Could you were you? a verb. We were a verb. <laughs> Allison. <laughs> So that's why it was so funny, the transformation that took place. So when that started happening, I knew, you know, maybe it's time. Um, and the wonderful gentleman that's running um, and doing the creative stuff right now was someone I had met on the Martha Stewart team. So looking at the products from 2012 to now, most of them are still the same. They're so tightly connected. The brand was built 
being an architect, so sturdy. It had such a great foundation. And just looking at where it is right now, I couldn't be prouder. It's hmm. They are really doing a wonderful job. You, yeah. do you, do you, are there moments where you're like, uh, I would have put this color on the notepad? <laughs> Absolutely. Or, do you, or what do you, yeah. Right. Yeah, or do you still have product ideas? I do. You, yeah. 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 But of you course, have found but... new and other ways yes. to yes. exercise those ideas. Right. What's interesting to me is after more than a decade yeah. in leaving architecture and getting into this world yeah. of consumer goods and product development, you stayed there. You didn't go back to architecture. Not until just recently. Oh, oh but okay. But I have been in consumer goods, yes. So when I left Russell and Hazel, um, a gentleman and myself and another woman, Carl Monty, Amy Arias, and myself formed um, West Emory. Mm-hmm. And West Emory also was a product development studio. We developed product, but it wasn't our own brand. So all of a sudden, we went from having a really strong, strong foundation of a brand to where we needed to use a strong foundation in our relationships and our ability to create products to build the next company. There were two very different companies. Um, Was that a conscious decision yeah, on conscious your part? Conscious decision, You didn't want yeah. to go build another brand. Brand. You know what? There was an opportunity by everybody wanting us to rustle and hazel something, that I knew there was an opportunity to identify white space with other partners that we had and build collections of products that they needed. Um, It's an interesting process. It's like stepping stones or a puzzle. Mm -hmm. Whereas Russell and Hazel was like, if you're going to use kids' terms, I guess, since I said puzzle, it was like building blocks, you know, actually building something and making sure it didn't fall down. With West Emory, it was like putting the puzzle pieces together, connecting the consumer, what the consumer needs, but having the retailer or the distribution channel's footprint on it, as well as our own knowledge of what they needed. Sure. So you weren't building a product to go take to a Crate and Barrel. Crate and Barrel was coming to you and saying, this is what we need. Partly. Like, we see a whole, for instance, I feel like I could say the story of West Emory could be summed up we built a business on bingo games. What? <laughs> oh, I remember mentioning something to you about yeah. this. I, no, I remember. But, yeah, we were talking about They were um, very stylish, of th- course. They were Anything the, you do is, Chris. <laughs> the best bingo games. But Crate and Barrel needed some things for their gift table, and they said, you know, we don't have any games. And I'm like, wow, games. Okay. I love Helvetica. We can make you a really beautiful <laughs> bingo game. I just know it's... I love Helvetica. <laughs> so we built uh, a bingo game for... Uh, Crate and Barrel, and a, a lot of other products, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, J. Crew saw that bingo game, and they called us up. Can you make us a bingo game? Well, of course we can. We use the J. Crew fonts. We use you know gold foil for them instead of black and white for Crate and Barrel. We stylized it, you know, for them, and it looked beautiful. You know, had um, you anticipated this bingo moment happening? No, does anyone? <laughs> no. Well, you have, no. but you have that intuition oh, to spot Alan, trends. Well, you know what? Games and you know having getting off screen and having that time together and playing. Yeah, I can see why the you know it it, it was its moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Gosh, Pop Sugar, can you make us a bingo game that we can put in our subscription boxes? And then guess who else comes calling? Target. We could use a bingo game in our gifts to go. Well, guess what? <laughs> and are you like, another, another bingo, bingo game? game. <laughs> oh, sure we can. And so it you know, kind of went on and on like that. Uh-huh. Um, and so we did really a thriving business, um, really identifying the needs of what our customers needed. So from 
like you said, a Nordstrom to a Vineyard Vines to um, a J. Crew, uh, Paper Source, Crate and Barrel. And it wasn't just games. Absolutely not. No. What other kinds of products? Oh, gosh. We did um, giftables, you know, different things, some candles, um, some jewelry storage from trinket trays to necklace stands, bracelet bars. What's the What's the key? What's the secret to being secret successful sauce. in product design? Yeah. Um, gosh. You know, it's reading um, the Wall Street Journal. Hmm. It's making sure that you read cover to cover psychology today. Throw in a little Cosmo. <laughs> um, and it, it is just understanding your consumer, understanding uh-huh. the price points and the market where your consumer needs to be, but where your retail partner needs to be as well. And then just making sure that it is relevant for where their head is and that it also looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, intuitively, Allison, we all are great designers. I, I, you'll drive by a block of homes. You'll know which one's the best looking one intuitively. Yeah. Um, we just kind of lose that sometimes um, when we look at things that are on the shelf. It's like egads. But um, interesting. Yeah. So if you can build a great product, make sure the price point's right. Mm-hmm. Um, people won't comp shop you. They'll know it looks beautiful, and they won't go well and look adjacently. What you know to the adjacencies. Mm-hmm. So you know, having had the success that you did yeah. with Russell and Hazel and being yep. out there, um, and then you're you're having all this success, but nobody necessarily knows. I yeah. knew it was you when I would see yeah. West Emory or I'd see those yeah. bingo games, but not everybody yeah. did, no. right? Your friends did, but right. did you, were you really okay with being yeah. behind the scenes or I did was. you kind of miss the spotlight? No, it was just fine behind the scenes. It was really interesting because it was a completely different challenge level. And like I said, it was putting together puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was okay. But now you're no longer doing West Emory. No, I'm kind of take uh, left in February. Okay, um, and sort of like a sabbatical. um, Might go back, but I are you burnt out? A little burnt out. Absolutely, it was a different, um, different type of beast. Um, It was the pace changed. It seems like just. I mean, what what changes have you noticed in the years that you've been in consumer goods? Yeah, pace has changed. It's fast, just like fast fashion, Um, home goods decor. It is fast. Um, a lot of competition, um, price points, boy, they're sharpening pencils. It is fast. Mm-hmm. And with the internet, you know, we can get anything anywhere at any time. Right. Yeah. So what does so, that mean for the product for makers product design, of the world? Right. Um, boy. You're copied before you even get it out, out the door. Right. And it goes online. Right. There's still so much more room. There really is. Um, but we do have everything that we need. So um, it just... Being smart, mm-hmm. I wish I could tell you exactly yeah. what it is. I don't know how it figured out if I did, you but yeah, you just you know intuitively. Yeah. yeah, so this break is great. Just like people, you need a vacation. Um, you need to become inspired. Um, I just am walking around, eyes wide open. It's mm-hmm. been wonderful. Um, Do you I, like social media? No. Are you, no. I can't. <laughs> But as it, but you're a very visual person, very, and you talk about like part, you know, part of what yeah. was so exciting about Russell and Hazel was yeah. nobody was thinking about the office as no. fashion and a, and no. a cool, beautiful design space. And now, I mean, we're overloaded. With we that. are. I think we are. Yeah. Or nobody knew. You don't that. like to look. You're not a voyeur. I I am a voyeur, but I just I, I don't spend my time there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because. Um, I, I just don't spend my time there. I'm so inspired by everything else. I can barely get through the day. <laughs> and what's been so fun is because I'm not running to the office frantically, all of a sudden I'm seeing my path that I took to the office. I'm on a listening walk or a listening drive. I'm like, oh, wow. 
everything is opening up. It's the strangest feeling. Um, huh. I is this I, the first time you first have time not ever been working full time, full time, kids, whatever, traveling, um, owning something. It's the first time ever. Yeah. Would you um, recommend people? Take a step away if they can. You know what? For entrepreneurs especially, yeah, because you are – it is a 24-7 job. It is a love affair. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to take a step back, I feel really fortunate. That I, I'm starting to have that little bit of a panic like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have things on the horizon. But I'm just and, – and the biggest thing right now is I'm trying to take the advice I give to everybody else. Like everybody's like, what are you doing now or what's the next step? You don't really have to define it. And to get to where you want to get, it's stepping stones, it's baby steps. The next step is never your final step. So just take the next one. Hmm. Um, And that next one will lead to something else. Had I ever thought I'd be making binders when I'm designing high-rises? Absolutely (laughs) not. Did I ever think I'd leave making binders to do a bingo game or a bocce ball set? Oh, my gosh, no. Um, But I know I, I don't know what the next thing is yet, but I... I'm kind of taking the next steps. Um, do you, when you are an idea person yeah. and you see opportunities, how do you know when it's a thing you should do? Because obviously you've, you've proven yeah. that you're willing to do it. Yeah. You're willing to just chuck it all and take the risk <laughs> and do it. But but how do you know? How will you know that it's the next thing? Oh, gosh. It's just that thing in your gut. I don't know. Intuitively, um, you, you can't get it off your mind. You keep going back. If you flip that page in that magazine one more time. You give it the squint test. Mm-hmm. Um, you just sort of know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet I you get asked that question a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, do you work with startups and and you know product help, makers? Yes, today? absolutely, all the time. You know, mentoring, consulting, um, meeting with people. Um, I'm doing work at the U of M right now in the product development design program. Whether it's mentoring, product development classes, um, guest lecturing, tutoring, judging on products. Um, going to possibly, I think I'm going to ink. The, do this, um, teach a class at the Carlson School on how design and creative thinking is probably the best way to solve some of the business problems that we have. Hmm. A lot of times business thinking is linear, um, meaning it's better add up left to right and up to down or it's not um, not going to work. Creative thinking is a process that goes around and around. It's a severe, it never stops. Um, so how some of that thinking can help design your business, and design your life. Um, So that will be a fall class. Um, I'm on the planning commission in the city of Wyzetta, learning about small-town politics. It's not so small, but anyway, (laughs) oh my goodness, Um, and just how that works. And it's amazing you can even get ideas for consumer products just just while you're, you know, having a commissioner's meeting. Yeah. Um, so just applying that design thinking wherever to Wherever you are, just learning as much as you can, just soaking up everything, listening. Um, been consulting in the most recent um, condo developments in YZ as well and how you can brand a building and mm-hmm. reach a consumer that way. I've actually um, met several um, architects turned product yeah. makers of various kinds, you, fashion designer who was an architect, yes, you, yeah. others. Like, what is it about the brain of an architect that you think lends itself to some of these other creative pursuits? One, I think it's a very classical education. It's very similar to going and getting a parts of it like a liberal arts degree. Um, second, you do have to have, you know, that right brain 
and have all that engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a good, good kind of foundation, but you still are so lofty in your thinking. Hmm. Um, it's great. You know, the top of that building is always in the sky, even though it's, you know, on the ground. Um, but the design process and how you design a building is fundamental in problem solving. Um, so I think that lends itself innately to product development and other. Yeah. What uh, paper products are on your desk at home today? Oh, that's such a good question. You know what? I think I, I I would love to do a whole publication about what's on your desk. It says so much about you, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, my we goodness. We do that. Twin Cities Business. We have do a, you? We've got to come do your desk. Oh, yeah. We it, do. What's on my desk? It does. It's a very good window into a person's, it, you know, to their personality. It is. It is. Um, lots of different clips right now. Um, it's not necessarily a paper product, but I'm clipping them all together because I have piles, stacks and piles. Um, my favorite thing is to make a pile. <laughs> of like newspaper clippings? Oh, yeah, magazines. just ripping and running. Newspaper clippings, articles. You Pinterest the old-fashioned way. I, I kind of do when they're in a pile, so a lot of times they're not visual, but I'll just put things in a pile that for some reason to me relate together Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times they absolutely do not there'll be a recipe in there and all of a sudden I'm like oh my gosh look at that color of that salt on that brownie I think we need to put that over here it would be a great touch of moving that piece of paper so it is funny so I have piles Um, I use a lot of different clips um, and like per- paper clips, like paper. Pre- okay, oh, but yeah, but pa- pretty ones. Oh, grabbing them from different things. I'm out in the garden grabbing things from the tool shed, clipping. Um, gosh, what else? Um, adhesive notes. Where would we be without those? Yeah, I just that Hard to imagine life I, it, without, without that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so those are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Could you do you see your next thing as being something totally different or? I mean, are, um, are you no. satisfied with the paper and office goods space and the game space? I mean, all the places you've been, been, is that behind you? You know what? My passion will always be office. It absolutely will. And how it's evolving and what the office is to us now, how we work and where we work. Um, I'd love to continue to focus in that area. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure where it's coming from, but it started there. And mm-hmm. um, I think I'll always be somehow in that space. Well, I think that's good news for the Isn't rest of us who oh, need some help with our yeah. desks and offices. I know I could use it. I know. It's great. Chris, it is so lovely to talk oh, to you. Oh, it's so great to see Such you. Such a and big fan. Yeah. And uh, I wish you all the best. I can't Thank wait to you. see what you do Oh, next. it'll be so fun. I'm sure it, it will. will. Stick around. We're going back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Well, Chris Planton makes it sound easy to just come up with a clever new product, but how can you take a concentrated approach to product development? Let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Professor David Deeds is the Schultz Professor of Entrepreneurship. Professor, what do you think? We don't all have a Russell and Hazel in our back pocket. How do you approach product development? I wish I had a great answer for that. If you look right now, uh, kind of in this whole lean startup area and things, you have this design thinking process and you have customer discovery interviews and those are some topics that are definitely worth looking. And it's really about getting out and get talking to your customers and getting in front of them. Now, it's a creative process, but 
the point I want to take away is not so much just the design process, because she's obviously incredibly skilled, and most people aren't going to be that way. But if you're going to do an entrepreneurial business, you need to be differentiated. All the way along, she's talking about, we don't want to be a commodity product. We mm. don't want people thinking about price. So we want to move out. She's working in a staid manufacturing industry. This isn't high tech, but what she's done is she's figured out a way so that customers look at the product and not the price. They don't look and say, oh, that one's $4.99 and that one's $4.59 and I'll take the $4.59. They look and say, that's cool. That's different. I would like to carry that. I'd like to have that in my office. And I don't care that it's $7.99. Right. And it's that emotional reaction. It's that emotional and it's getting you out of being commoditized. And remember, the difference between $4.99 and $7.99 is about 40 points of margin. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know it's 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 a it's a big difference when you're talking about actual margins, bottom lines, and what you're going to make. And if you're stuck in a commoditized business, it's about cost. And as an as an entrepreneur in a startup, you're not going to be low cost. You're not going to be at full on economies of scale. You're not going to be producing for what the big guys are producing for. And so if you go in head to head and you're undifferentiated from let's say Mead, okay they win mm -hmm. because they're going to have a dollar or more probably cost advantage on you. So put your energy and, and your heart and your time and your design thinking towards a different point of view. Exactly. Change the customers. Bring something to the table that the group, a segment of customers looks at and goes, that's cool. And quits worrying about the price right. and is willing to just look and say, now that that's something I want. Not, well, do I get that one or that one or that one or that one? They're really all the same, so who's got the bottom line price? And that's how they get me every time at the store. Well, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Professor Deeds, thank you so much for your expertise, and thank you to our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. If you haven't already, please subscribe to By All Means wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the show, go to tcbmag.com slash byallmeans. I'm Allison Kaplan, and on behalf of Twin Cities Business, Thanks for listening to By All Means. takes teamwork to make By All Means, and we've got some all-stars. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tom Ferlitti. Digital support is Ricky Hannigan and Dan Nepo. Thanks to the University of St. Thomas Senior Media Relations Manager, Vanita Sakar and Associate Dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, Laura Dunham, for all their help. Our theme music is by Songfinch. Hope you enjoyed By All Means. By All Means.